0: Hey, I just wanna say thank you for checking out this message today. I hope that it helps you, that it encourages you, and that you are able to learn a little bit more about who God is and why so many people throughout history have chosen to become followers of Jesus. If you enjoy this message and you wanna hear more, you can find us on Facebook, or YouTube, but ultimately you can find everything you need to know at clcwinnipeg.ca. There you can find more messages, you can find our social handles, ways to get connected to our church, and if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do that as well. And like I said before, I hope that you are encouraged by the message you're about to hear. God bless you. Hey, my name is Scott, and today we're doing a series called Sounds of the Season, where hope is heard. And we're talking about some familiar Christmas songs and some of the messages of hope that are found within them, some of the verses that they're based on. And we're just talking about some of these old favorites and uh, and trying to find the hope in them. So today we're talking about one of my favorite Christmas songs, one of my favorite songs, I think actually, just in general called, Oh Holy Night. I'm sure many of you know this, but if you don't, uh, we want to be able to play it for you, so here is a version of Oh Holy Night, and why don't you just spend a few moments just with this song. Enjoy. Oh, holy
1: night, the stars are brightly shining. It
0: years ago, I was in my car driving around one December, back when I could afford the fuel to just go for a drive. And I was listening to Christmas music in my car. And like I said, one of my favorite Christmas songs came on called Oh Holy Night. And you may know that this is, it's a big song. It's kind of like the national anthem, because people with big voices who can hit big high notes, they love to sing it. And I don't remember who was singing it when I came on, but as I was driving, I thought, I like this song. I'm gonna see if I can find the best version of it. And so I stopped and I queued up every cover of it that I could find from Josh Groban to Andrea Bocelli, Celine Dion, Mariah Carey, Pavarotti, Pentatonix. I think I even threw Kenny G in there. And for the next like two hours, I listened to Oh Holy Night over and over. And I was listening to all of these versions, and I thought Celine Dion and her version was gonna win it. She can really sing. But then I remembered one version that I'd seen on YouTube, and it had blown me away. If you haven't seen it, go find it. There's a link to it in the bottom of this video. It's by David Phelps, who some of you may know from the Gaither Vocal Band. I'm probably too young to be a Gaithers fan, but I grew up with them. And some of their music just stuck with me. And David Phelps, at a Gaither homecoming in 1999, sang Oh Holy Night, doing one of the best versions of it ever, with one of the best piano accompaniments of it ever. In fact, I think it's not just one of the best performances of Oh Holy Night ever. I, I truly believe it is one of the greatest vocal performances ever to exist. It's the power, the drama, the control The people you can see in the background, who they themselves are professional singers, just having visible reactions to David singing this song. I think it's just incredible. I looked up some reactions to the song on YouTube this week, and I noticed that when he first hits that high note after a key change, people had some very specific reactions of just shock and wonder. These people are in awe of the vocal performance that he gave. And I've listened to this version probably 20 times this week. And each time I get goosebumps. I showed it to my wife earlier this week and she also had a pretty strong reaction. She, uh, she reached down for the skip button because I guess epic ballads aren't quite for everyone, but it is for me. This is that kind of song. It's got some beautiful lyrics, a powerful melody, and it also has a long and sometimes complicated history. O Holy Night was originally a non-musical poem written by a man named Placide Capot, who had been commissioned to write a poem based on Luke chapter 2, the chapter where we read about Jesus' birth. Placide was obviously a very talented poet, but he was a bit of a strange choice for writing the poem because he was actually an atheist. But nevertheless, he wrote the poem in French and called it Minuit Chrétiennes, or Midnight Christians. That was in 1843. Then composer Adolf Adam put it to music that same year and four years later, I don't know why it took so long, but in 1847 it was performed for the first time by the opera singer Emily Laurie on Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve 1906, Reginald Fessenden, a Canadian inventor, stood in front of his microphone and played a version of O Holy Night on his violin during the first ever radio show in the world, making O Holy Night the first song ever to be played on the radio. O Holy Night wasn't always well received though. Like I said, it was written by a poet who actually claimed to be an atheist. It was received well by the church at first, but once they found out that not only was the author of it an atheist, but the composer of the music was actually Jewish, not Christian, they tried to bury it. And the church almost succeeded. They claimed it lacked musical flavor, that it had an absence of religious spirit, both claims that I personally disagree with. They almost made people forget about it and it was until it was translated into English and brought to America, where it became a Christmas favorite that has been recorded by countless artists and sung every year at Christmas time in churches all over. For sure, O Holy Night came from an unexpected place. No one would expect a non-believer to capture the beauty of the moment of Jesus' birth in such a profound way. No one would expect a Jewish man to look at this very Christian hymn and put it to such beautiful music. But, but isn't that kind of the whole essence of the Christmas story? Christmas is kind of all about God making beauty out of unexpected places. The gospel is really all about God making beauty out of our unexpected places. Here are some of the verses that Placide Kepo was using for inspiration as he penned the words to this hymn from Luke chapter two, this is verses four to seven. It says, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. What we notice in the Christmas story is that everything seems unexpected. God chooses a virgin girl and they married to give birth to Jesus, God's son, who would end up being from Nazareth. Nazareth was definitely an unexpected source for a savior. Listen to how two of Jesus' disciples talked about Nazareth before they made the decision to follow Jesus. John chapter 1 verse 45 to 46 says this, Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel, can anything good come from Nazareth? This is kind of like if I came up to you and said, we found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Regina. If you live in Winnipeg, you'd probably be like, "Mm, I'm like not impressed by that. What good could come from Regina? I'm just kidding. I'm from Saskatchewan. I was born there. I love it. But this, <laughs> there's this unexpected source that Jesus from like from Nazareth, no one likes Nazareth and a pregnant Mary has to travel all the way to Bethlehem where they can't even find a decent place to stay. And she gives birth to Jesus in a barn and he has to lay down in a feeding trough. This isn't how you would expect God, the all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present creator of everything to come to earth, but that's exactly what he does. God loves to take unexpected places, to take unexpected sources and make something beautiful out of them. And I believe that he still does this. I believe that for many of us, he's already done this. And I believe that if you've never experienced that, he might want to do it for you as well. The poet also claims that when Jesus came, the world was weary. I don't know what was going on in his world in France in 1843, but I know that today a lot of people feel weary. To feel weary, it's not a word we use a lot, it's to be tired. It's to have tried too hard to do too much. And I I think a lot of us can probably relate to that today. I think it's easy for every generation to see the problems they face and assume that life has never been worse. Because we have some serious struggles today, but so did the last generation and the one before that. And a hundred years ago people had hard lives, and a thousand years ago people had hard lives. And I think that the timeless truth that the poet was able to identify, and the timeless truth that makes the gospel so good for everyone, is that the world is always going to feel broken. But hope is here. Do you know what the context of the weary world is? Do you know the full line? It's a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. The thrill of hope. Have you ever experienced the thrill of hope? Maybe you're watching a movie and you, you know, the hero comes in. They crash through the doors. They, they, they finally appear and, and there's hope for people. For us, this is the moment, our hero is here. This is the moment where everything changes because Jesus is here. We sometimes think of the Christmas story as being like a small, intimate affair. They were in a quiet little barn and Mary gave birth to a little baby and you know, a, a sheep lays down to cuddle up beside her and, and some shepherds, they kind of peek in and smile and they look at the baby and some wise men come in to give gifts and, worship this newborn savior. I've never been around a live childbirth, but my understanding is that peaceful isn't like an accurate word for it. This night was probably a bit chaotic as they had to manage a birth in a barn and the shepherds didn't just arrive. Here's what actually happened with the shepherds. It says in Luke chapter two, and the shepherds were living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. It's a bit of a scene and I learned some things about these shepherds this week and I hope it can kind of open up our imaginations to how amazing this moment really was. Our source for some of this is the Mishnah which was a set of documents that recorded the once-oral traditions of the Jews of the land during the time of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were these religious leaders during Jesus' day, and they loved laws and rules. And one of their laws tells us a little bit more about these shepherds. One of the laws, found in the Mishnah, actually expressly forbids the keeping of flocks throughout the land of Israel, except in the wilderness, And the only flocks otherwise kept would be those for the temple services. So what that means is that these were not necessarily lowly shepherds just trying to keep watch of their family's herd of sheep. Likely, these were actually priests of some kind who were actually watching over sheep that were to be used specifically as temple sacrifices. These were the men who were guarding the sheep, that were upholding the customs of the Old Testament. And all of a sudden an angel tells them the Messiah is here and basically informs them that they're about to be out of a job. Because the order of how sacrifices were done is about to change. And also notice that it says they were watching over their flocks at night. That's interesting language. Tradition suggests that there was actually a tower called Migdal, eater, where they might have literally been at the top of watching over their sheep at night, they might have literally been in a tower. So now can you imagine your priest watching over these sheep from your tower, and then an angel appears. So now we have to assume that this angel was either in the tower with them all of a sudden, or maybe just floating in the air so that they could see it. And when that angel appears, What does it say about the shepherds? They were terrified. We never really get a good biblical description of what angels look like. Not these messenger angels at least. But my guess is that they don't just look like some regular guy. Like I don't think that the angels that appear in the Bible were like guys wearing sweater vests and jeans who would tell you something that was about to happen. Judging by the fact that usually the first thing that they have to say to people is don't be afraid. They were pretty shocking to see, and a little scary. And not only are they seeing an angel that's appearing to them, all of a sudden the sky opens up and a choir of angels appears singing glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those whom his favor rests. And I doubt this was quiet. I think it was pretty impressive. God was announcing that his son had been born, and a choir of angels was singing his praises. So we have a song like O Holy Night with all of its drama and its big melodies, and I think that this might better reflect what that night was really like. There had been a birth, probably a crying baby, a choir of angels, a bunch of shepherds, going through the town trying to find this newborn baby who would be wrapped in swaddling cloths and we might assume that this was just like a regular blanket or something that jesus was wrapped in but these were actually specific cloths used by the priests to actually prepare sheep before they were used as sacrifices so get this jesus the lamb of god who sacrificed himself for our sins Was wrapped in these priestly clothes that were for their sacrificial lambs talk about symbolism and then if this night didn't have enough happening i like the way that eugene peterson wrote in the message that the shepherds let loose glorifying and praising god this was a triumphant evening and it was loud it was the thrill of hope hope had come to save a weary world. And what does that all mean for us today? Why do we care about this today? Because hope is here. Some of us just need to know that hope is actually here. The line of this song recognizes that the world is weary and that we are always going to feel tired and discouraged and beaten down. We're, we're always going to have times where we feel like that. And we just need some hope. Some of us have been here for a long time, and some of you have been here a short time. But if you're listening today, you probably felt at some point like you could use some hope. And you hoped that Jesus would deliver. And I'm here to tell you or remind you today that Jesus always delivers. The good news that fuels the church and that we believe in to keep us going is that Jesus is here, he has set us free, and he has given us a chance at new life. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 that we were once dead living in sin, following our earthly desires and finding that it wasn't fulfilling us. But God gave us a chance through Jesus to come alive. I suspect that there might be two types of people who are watching this today. Some of you, you've been following Jesus for a long time. But we know that even for those of us who have been following God for a long time, that sometimes, sometimes we just need to be reminded that there's hope. Because we still get caught up in ourselves. We get caught up in our own troubles. We get tired. But hope has come. We have something to hold on to. We have a purpose. We have a savior who loves us and cares about us. And who, when we get down, is always there to pick us back up again. Hope is here. Second group, maybe this is all kind of new to you. Maybe you just clicked on this video because you, I don't know, there could be so many reasons. Maybe you were looking for a little bit of hope. Maybe you didn't even know it, but I believe that And I hope that this message might have spoken to you today. I believe that the Holy Spirit sometimes speaks in these moments to people. And maybe you just feel something stirring in you. And if that's the case, I just wanna invite you to follow Jesus, to commit your life to the person we call Jesus, who we believe is our hope. He is our future following Jesus is good and it, it offers hope to each and every one of us. It's available for you no matter how far away you feel. No matter how, how unconnected to the church you feel. How, how broken you feel. Jesus, he's, he's always there. Jesus has come and he has made a way for us. So if you don't know him, you can just pray a simple prayer like, God, I need some hope. I've been trying to do it on my own and it's just not working. So, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want you to be my hope. I want you to show me purpose and meaning in this life. And I want to experience your love and your grace and your mercy for me. When when we come alive in Jesus, what, what that is, is that we're we're lost in sin. And Jesus came as a baby and He brought so much hope. But how he worked that out was by going to a cross, taking on all of our sin, and dying for us. But he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose again. And all we have to do is, the Bible says, if we say with our mouths that we believe in our hearts that Jesus is our hope and our future and our Savior and our Lord, that we will be saved. And that invitation is open to absolutely everybody, So I invite you to take that today and just make that simple prayer. And if you do, we would love to hear from you. You can go to our website. There's a link in our video description below that says FOLLOW JESUS in all caps. You can follow that link and just fill it out and let us know that you want to follow Jesus. Or send us an email, whatever. And we would love to walk with you in that journey because it's so good. It's changed my life. It's changed the lives of so many people in our church. And we believe that he can do that for you too. And I I hope that as you go through this season, if you hear this song, Oh Holy Night, that you're reminded of that beautiful night with all of its glory and wonder. That when it comes down to it, that the message of it is that hope is here. That Jesus is, is here and he's setting us free and he's giving us another chance. And I'd love to pray with you today. God, we thank you for just the the beauty of you coming to earth. We thank you for this beautiful story. Thank you for this beautiful song that reminds us of what hope we have. That Jesus has made a way for us. And God, we just we want to we experience all that you have for us. We want to experience not having to stay dead in our sins, but be actually being able to come alive in Jesus, in the good news of Jesus Christ. And God, we thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for everything that you're doing right now and in, in the lives of those who are watching or listening to this. And we thank you for what you're going to do. In your name, amen. So if that's your first time joining us, we're so glad that you're here. If you've been listening for a long time, we're glad you're here too. And uh, no matter where you're at, if you need anything that a church can help with, we would love to hear from you. You can go to our website um, or message us on here, on Facebook, whatever. Send us an email. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. And God bless you as you go. I hope you have a great week. Hope you have a great Christmas season. And that you're just reminded that Jesus is in the middle of it all. Have a great week. God bless.